Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's 208 with Aiden Blizzard. How are you, mate? Good, Sidey. How are you? Nice to see you again. I know, mate. It's been a while. Now, um, before ISO, I went back to Shepparton and uh, we used to play cricket at the same club. And I, I heard a rumour that they're knocking down the club rooms to put up a statue of you in Shepparton, mate. Is that true? <laughs> it's the first of it. <laughs> it would be slight, slightly embarrassing if it was true, but um, no, no. I've got a trophy. I've actually got a T20 trophy named after me and that's, that's well and truly enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just start with that. We'll get into the serious stuff. So obviously growing up in the country, mate, we'll get talking about your cricket career because it was very, very glittered. But what was it like growing up in the country, mate? Because um, what yeah. was your recollection of that? And were you grateful of that or would you rather grow up in the city? Uh, no, I look, I think we make, make do with what we've got. And upon reflection, the country lifestyle and upbringing for me has been so valuable. Um, I think that... I, as a student, I wasn't great. Um, I ended up studying from 28 to 32, I ended up doing an MBA. Um, but throughout school, it was all about sport and getting out, out in the backyard or out in the community. We had a court, um, that sort of stuff. So I was extremely active. Um, and Shepparton in itself was, it was a beautiful place to grow up. It was quite diverse culturally. Um, there were a lot of really good people and there's obviously there's some areas that were, that were quite rough and tough. So um, reflecting now and even going through this pandemic, um, I feel like life is about resilience. And um, I think the opportunities that I got were, were both privileged in terms of um, having a roof over my head and having opportunities through my parents in particular that are really supportive and my family, my brother and sister, but also um, just those opportunities to grow up um, when you play sport, you're playing with men. I was playing with men when I was 14. Um, and obviously AFL as well played quite a bit of that. So my, I was really grateful to be, to be honest at times you're always looking over the fence and, um, growing up in the country, uh, you sometimes feel like you're a disadvantage, but I, I didn't see it that way. Um, one, once we got older, I'm very grateful and, um, I love going back to Shepparton as well. I think that's a real, it's a great sign of, um, of appreciation that, I just really love it. So family's still there and I'm, I'm grateful that I met you number one. And um, there's plenty of other people that, that I'm still really close with that I wouldn't trade that for the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the same, mate. I love growing up there. And one thing you just mentioned there, resilience, because um, growing up, you're a couple of years older than me and I like was in awe of your journey, but um, you built resilience at a really young age, mate, because the amount of injuries you had, particularly in your back, do you want to talk about that? Like, because you would, yeah. I don't know if you were going to play AFL or you would pick cricket, but like, mate, you would just always have these horrific injuries. So <laughs> resilience, you got that at a young age. Yeah, I did. I'll, look, and again, it was really painful at the time. Um, so I had a, I had a slip disc in my back. Um, I've, it's now torn permanently. There's a tear in the disc and I'm lucky that it's torn. I think it's, uh, it's one way that's, that's not too bad. Versus right. the other, yeah. but, you know, somewhat. Yeah. So <laughs> I was, I had to lay on my stomach for four months straight. I had a nerve hooked on that. Um, 
this was when I was, well, I would have been 14 years old. So made the All-Australian under-15 footy team. And um, that footy was really my journey. And it was really tough to be told to go and watch a practice game when your foot was numb. Um, I was watching a Bush Rangers uh, practice game in the TAC Cup, uh, which is now the NAB Cup. So that was tough in itself, but then followed by a wrist reconstruction, then a shoulder reconstruction. Um, and it was just, it was, it was one thing after another. And, and one thing I, I realised about that was the opportunity to either, it's either fight or flight really. And I know a lot of people get down from injuries, but the reality was um, it was just, it, it was an opportunity for me to grow. And I didn't know that at the time, but I'm very grateful for the family and the friends that I had that my identity has never really been tied in with the sport that I've played with or the, or the, the nostalgia that you look back on. It's always just been Liz the bloke um, who just gets up and goes about it. And it was tough. Like I, I went through anxiety and depression um, and it's something that you always, you, you don't necessarily realize at the time, but um, that was all part of that journey. And I think that resilience through those opportunities of, um, of challenge was significant in shaping who I am now. Um, and, and also the way I sort of, I've got a four year old son and the way I look at a lot of things now, I think if we continue to focus on the things we can't control, which I think is human nature, we always look at, oh, those, those people have got this, like they got a couple of lucky rags. The reality is they did, but at the end of the day, this is your life that you're living. And I think, um, I was able to learn that pretty quickly that doesn't mean that I don't default back to that shit look what those people are doing but I just think it's a it's an opportunity to to really grow and um, adversity creates opportunity and I think even through this pandemic that we're going through now um, it'll be really interesting to see the the people that come out of it flying and um, taking some serious opportunities and and some others that'll go backwards quite a lot and um, I think it's yeah I'm grateful for that um, but it was bloody tough at the time really really tough yeah, I've got no doubt. And, and, and I, I do remember, and I like what you said there. So I always like people to take something out of each episode. And I think that's a really good point that um, at the end of the day, you can relate everything back to what you're going through in this pandemic. And if you want it to be a really negative experience, it will be. If you want to find some shining light, then you can as well. So um, great advice there, Blizz. So once you, you, know, you got told footy greens over um, and your body was already, you know, probably breaking down. Then you're like, all right, I'm going to focus a cricket. So let's talk yeah. about that. How did the injuries that you had with your back and everything affect your cricket? Because I can imagine it wasn't just, all right, I'm going to leave AFL and now I'm going to play cricket and full smooth sailing. Yeah. Um, shoulder and wrist in particular. I remember I got, I made a, I made a decent score in an under 18 cop. I think I got 150 odd. Um, and I couldn't hold a bat the next day. My wrist was really sore. And that was, it was two things. It was, I wasn't used to batting that long. I think most people knew my career. It was, it was pretty, it was, it was impactful. It was, it was always about impact. Um, and it, it was still the challenge towards the end. It was uh, spending time in the middle versus make creating an impact. But that in itself was quite tough, but the shoulder as well. So um, I think when you, when you talk about things that you can control, my rehab was quite extensive because I was a left-hander and I had a left Rico and I needed to be able to throw. So I'm quite short um, compared to most bowlers. So bowling wasn't necessarily an option at the elite level. So really had to work hard on the things that I, um, that I wasn't great at. And throwing was one because obviously you've got a, you've got a clipped wing psychologically that you don't know whether, can you let it go? Can you not? 
do you fall on it? Um, so there's a good year, year or year and a half where I was protecting that, that shoulder. And it was, it ended up being psychosomatic. There was actually nothing, nothing that I could do to, to hurt it anymore, but it was still in the back of your head. So that's, that was quite a challenge, but moving forward from there, the opportunity that really turned it for me was going and play club cricket in England. Um, I went to a tiny, tiny club village club called Munford cricket club, which was like, I think if you relate it to where cricket is here, it was probably like playing in, it was like Shepparton um, C grade, essentially. Um, so it was, it was, it was look for where I was wanting to go. It was, it felt like a backward step, but what it did give me an opportunity was to bring a lot of those skills or attributes that I'd learned through um, injury to do on my own. I always had a lot of support through my family. I've got doctors, physios, everyone supporting you, but I was in England. I was living with a seven-year-old lady. Um, I was at a, a village club where most people left the village during the day to go and um, go and work, and I was there by myself. I I I couldn't get a, the right visa. I ended up just I was there to play cricket as an amateur. So um, that in itself was a serious growth opportunity for me, and I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about what I needed and what I didn't need. And um, one of the big things for me, and I know it's a, it's something for a lot of people out there, is around stimulation of the mind. Um, and throughout my career, the times where I was successful and I learned it way too late was um, when I was stimulated away from work, which I, I called cricket work. When I was stimulated away from work, my performance on the cricket field was was going really well. Um, and I was focusing on the things that I could control. But when I wasn't stimulated is when I was thinking about everything. I was thinking about the pitch, the weather, the what are we having for lunch? Like things that are so <laughs> trivial and irrelevant, like what bar are we going to after? Like what shoes do I need to pack? Like just things that really don't matter in the scheme of turning up to go to work. So that was a great opportunity. And then obviously I got into the, the Victorian system through a rookie contract. Um, while I was in England, I got, I got noticed there um, from a Victorian touring party. So sometimes it's the right place at the right time. Um, but I think the, the discipline that I had to get through that adversity of injuries was something that cricket knew, knew about. Um, and it's something that I carried throughout my career, um, which we'll probably get into later, but I always saw myself as I made a career out of being the 10th or 11th picked in every team. Um, and barring club cricket, um, the, the step up was always the 10th or 11th picked in those sides. And it's really, I think it's really tough to perform where you don't get in a position where you don't ever get comfortable. Um, so that, that in itself was, was quite challenging, but what I think what I learned the most was what I could control was my mood and my energy around people. So at every time I used to treat cricket as work. So I had to turn up to work. I didn't have to, I chose to turn up to work. And then the energy that I bought was my asset. And it was something that probably kept me in the IPL for an extra couple of seasons. And it was definitely something towards the end of my career at the Thunder where it doesn't matter if you've got a title or not, it's what you bring to the, the outfit is what goes in behind it. So um, I was lucky. I got five BBL championships um, across the journey. And I think, of those five, two of those finals, I probably played in, I didn't play the semi-final before it. I was picked in the final. Um, and it was all the work that I do behind the scenes as opposed to out in front. So that um, that sort of brought me to, to where I am now. And I still think that um, it's always great to have a nice job title or a leadership title, but 
my my greatest asset and what I look for in in staff and people around the world and people that I gravitate towards are the the ones that it's what they bring each time and I think we all ride a roller coaster we all got different personality types so we're naturally some people are going to be here on it up and some people are going to be here but I think it's that what you bring each day is what was is what I'm most attracted to and it's something that I learned um along the journey that I, I really treasure um around people Mm. And I, I think that's very true. Consistency. And it's not always what you see on the TV or um, on the field in the actual game. It's, the, it's what you put in and, and what you provide to the team in the background of training and uh, everything else. So I want to get into your career. And before we do that, is that a record? Do you hold the most BBL titles? Does anyone have I more? Think, uh, I think it's myself and Maxi Klinger might be, we're either even or might be one ahead, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's cool. cool. It's pretty it's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, and yeah, I see myself as one of the last picked always, and to to be that to have those opportunities is significant. So um, yeah, that's something that's hasn't really sunk in yet. But I think the as you know, the older you get, the, the better the stories get. So <laughs> I can't wait for my son, my poor son, when he grows up. <laughs> His ears will be bleeding. I reckon be 15 like BBL titles, I think. <laughs> Skinny will be saying 20 anyway. It'll get a bit further exactly. on as we go. Um, so exactly. now, obviously, we spoke about, and I think I remember this, Northern Rivers, when you said you made that one good score. I was like, I think you made 147 or something. I remember, like, watching the newspaper and reading, and wow, and you made more runs like that. So um, before you went to the UK, coming back to Shepparton, obviously, was there a lot of pressure? Because... Before you, there was obviously like Rowan Larkin and Brian Doyle and a couple others that had played Victoria, but no one had really sort of made it big. Did you find a lot of pressure, not just from yourself, but from the community? Like, because you were the prodigy, yeah. mate. Like, you yeah, really were. I, um, I wouldn't say pressure. I think, I think for me, it was my expectations were the biggest, um, were the biggest challenge. Because um, pressure, there was always pressure. Well, there's, there was perceived pressure. I made the under 12 schoolboys cricket team and I was an emergency in the under other uh, schoolboys footy team. So I think um, for me, it was always, I didn't know what my ceiling was and I just wanted to reach that ceiling. Um, and I just want to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So I didn't really have, I think the, the beauty of cricket was because I didn't focus on it until I was really 17 or 18. I didn't really have any expectations. It was all around footy. And as soon as they were sort of, the reality was you either keep getting injured or, or yeah I, and that wasn't really an option in the end so I think um I think the yeah the expectations were always there but it was probably more my expectations of what's next how am I going to get there um was probably more the thing the bigger challenge than than the expectations of the community and one of the things I loved about the Shep community was I was still getting text messages and the Shep news would always ring and and love to have a chat and when, when I was going back there, it was always nice to um, to see people in the street. Like, uh, Shepparton's a great place. The people, there's a lot of people that have been in Shepparton for, for a long time and you still go back there and if you go to a bar or you go down to the, the shops or even going to a Golden Valley footy league game, there's the same people are still saying g'day and um, talking and that sort of stuff. So I feel like the expectations were there, but I think I feel like I was a bit naive or a little bit oblivious to to those expectations, um, probably in a good way, because I think um, managing self is tough enough as it is, let alone managing others. And I think everyone who's um, married or has kids um, understands that, that 
you trying to look after yourself, number one, is quite a big challenge. But if you focus on looking after everyone else and not yourself, you end up in a ditch. So, um, yeah, I think I was a bit naive to those pressures more than anything. Mm. Yeah, so, so I've always wondered that question because, I, like, mate, you were the Shep News. Like every every time, particularly <laughs> cricket season, now we go back there and um, you've got titles named after and everything. So I think that's a really good way of looking at it, that you have to look after yourself before you can look after anyone else. And again, that relates back to the pandemic and everything. So now let's fast forward back. Um, Victorian rookie contract. Uh, this is... When, when did you sort of, when did you get branded sort of as a, a T20 specialist? Because that's sort of, it really, you, it was quite early on, wasn't it? That um, people yeah. saw you as that explosive player. Yeah. And um, I think David Hooks, um, before he passed, was, he came down and looked at some second 11 cricket and myself and Adam Crossweight, who was an, a young gun, he was a, he was a wicket keeper batsman. Um, we got some runs and I think, that's when it was Hooksy liked the way I played and Hooksy was obviously a very explosive batsman uh, ahead of his time when he, when he was playing for Australia. So Hooksy um, really got me the opportunity to get into the, to the Vic squad. Um, and I think it was just nature because my, my um, attention span has always been quite low. It's, it's, and it's one of the challenges I've had in my work life as well is around, I've been very project based or, um, or cricket, cricket play based where you go, all right, you have your innings. All right, you're done. All right, what's next? You, know, you reflect and then go, what's next? All right, I've got to go field. All right, game's over. What do I do now? We're prepping for the next game. And that could be in two days or it could be five days. So um, with that low attention span, um, I really just, it was out there and, what I learned in chat, it was my ball, you hit it. Um, and I was quite lucky because my timing was quite natural and I was quite strong. So I could clear most boundaries, um, which was detrimental when I was learning the craft in Melbourne because obviously there's a lot more wind. Um, there's a lot of quality bowlers and um, they play a few tricks. So I got caught on the boundary quite a lot. Um, but it was also um, learning my strengths and tempo. So the best form of attack is defense. So if you can't, if you can't defend, you can't attack. Um, so that, that those first three balls get you out, then there's no point. Like you, you're done. So um, I did get pigeonholed, but I also played with some serious players that looked after me. So Brad Hodge, Dave Hussey, Cam White, Andrew McDonald um, in particular, they were really influential. And I think my first T20 game, I played was in Adelaide New Year's Day, I think, against South Australia. And I ended up getting 87 off 30-odd balls. Um, and that's where I really learned a lot about um, the team, the team play of cricket, where Brad Hodge would, um, he was batting at one end and he was protecting me to to go after certain certain players. And I think I just sort of fell into that role of the aggressor. And I think the other part of that is... I got lucky in terms of those quality players were there. They were established and that was the role that I needed to play. And that was happened to be the role that I was good at versus if you've got a Michael Klinger, who's an absolute gun and he really um, flourished towards the end of his career where he was, a, he was a mainstay and Maxi was never going to be able to play that role. So um, I think I got branded pretty, pretty early on when those opportunities came and I sort of embraced that. Um, could it have been detrimental to what I could have achieved? Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe I could have pegged it back, but at the end of the day, I was comfortable in that with that opportunity. It got me into a lot of different teams and opportunities. Um, obviously, the IPL was the 
one of the highlights of where I got to. Um, and that's what I'm, that's what I was known as. So, um, yeah, it, it happened quick, but I also embraced it, um, stupidly or, um, <laughs> smart. I'm not sure yet. Um, but yeah, that's sort of where it went. Yeah, nice. And uh, mate, I remember, I think it was very early on, uh, when T20 was really new and I was in, uh, I saw you over playing, uh, at the gap at, at the Wacker. Anyway, if you go on YouTube, there is a six that you hit there. That is seriously like the noise of your bat. That, that is just ridiculous. Is that one of the biggest hits you've ever done? And what did that feel yeah. like, mate? Cause that was cracked. Yeah, it, um, it was, it was one of the, I, I describe it as we're all, we all play in the net. So we all hang, we all, we've all been in the nets and we hit one ball and you're like, shit, I got that. Like, that would have been <laughs> massive. And that it was, was, it was one of those moments, but I, it was on national TV, it was in a <laughs> final and it's on, now it's on YouTube. But I yep. think, um, I think we've all had that moment, but I just got lucky that mine happened to be in a game. Um, but it was, I was a pretty significant, significant over. It was in a final against WA at the Wacker, as you said, and we batted first. I think we ended up getting 213 or something like that. And I got 28 off that over. Um, but to be brutally honest, I don't know what it felt like. I was, it was, I was that. I was in that zone. In the of zone. Just, yep. We've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go. Um, so yeah, Hodgie was like, "Nice shot. Get back there. Let's <laughs> let's do it again." <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Thanks, mate. Hodge. Have fun, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hodge. Um, yeah, but going to the UK, that's uh, you'd hear that clip on every every team you play against. They'd put that clip up and they'd ask you about it. Um, every time we go to the country, if, if it's an ACA Masters Tour or you play a country round, everyone's got their phones out and doing it. So it, it's really nice. Um, I Eden hasn't, my son hasn't seen it yet, but no doubt he'll put an extra couple of hundred on it. Well, <laughs> I'll probably put a couple of hundred on it showing him and his mates over the next 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was just one of those things that happened to be on TV. But I think, yeah, we all do something like that at some stage. And I, I reckon I got lucky that it, it was in that moment because it could have been a club game and no one would ever know about it. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sure from what I've seen of you play, you probably did it in club game, but no one's seen it. Anyway, <laughs> I will put that in the show notes, guys, and I really recommend watching it. It's about 15 seconds of your life that you'll really enjoy, <laughs> even if you don't like cricket. And for international listeners, if that was baseball, that was out of the stadium. So um, <laughs> let's talk with... You've mentioned a little bit about IPL. Uh, now, yep. you played IPL and you played with arguably the best ever cricketer, Sachin Tendulkar. Like, talk yeah. to us, like, firstly, what the IPL is like, because I've only ever seen on TV, and wow, like, they, mm. that is a religion over there. Cricket is just insane. So what is that like, particularly playing that, but then also with, like, their god, Sachin Tendulkar? Yeah, yeah. And I was so lucky to get picked up by Mumbai Indians. I got picked up in the first draft. I got picked up... Uh, the draft was over. Then they had an extra round and then they had an extra round. I got picked up in the third extra round um, <laughs> for like, for like $20,000. And these guys are on millions, right? And uh, I think I came home with less money than what I <laughs> went over to the <laughs> Living in, we lived in downtown Mumbai in a five-star um, hotel and things are extremely expensive. But yeah, that, that competition. So to give, give perspective, that competition um, essentially makes I've got to be carefully because I don't have the exact data, but it's worth more to cricket than a lot of most international series um, in themselves. So uh, it's obviously privatized. Our owners were Reliance Industries, which is the, I think they're, or they're easily the biggest um, 
corporation in India, um, potentially top 10 in the world. So um, that in itself is quite significant to, to be in an, in a cricket environment where it's run as a real, like a cutthroat business, um, as opposed to a club um, like the BBL clubs or even a state competition, um, where the where the where the highest paid person's probably on two hundred grand. These guys are, are making um, millions in a day. So um, that number one was just brutal. That was just so brutally eye opening. Um, being in India is so different to Shepparton where I grew up. Um, <laughs> and then you talk about the stars. So we had Sachin, Harbhajan, Kiran Pollard. I think Punter played a couple of times. Andrew Simons was there. John T. Rhodes was our fielding coach. Sean Pollock was a coach. Malinga. Oh, it just went on and on and on. Um, and Sachin, obviously, I played my first game and opened the batting with Sachin. Um, so I was like, here we go, this, this should be good. Like you watch it from the sidelines and me being the, the quality um, 12th man that I am, I was always just running around and giving drinks and all that sort of stuff. I'd be sweating more than the boys half the time. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, to go out there the first time, we're at Wankiti Stadium, which is, um, which is in the middle of Mumbai and Sachin's from Mumbai. That's the other one, Rohit Sharma was the, uh, was the other guy who's a gun. Um, so we're walking down the race and... Um, I was sort of waiting for Satch, did our little glove punch thing and then walked out onto the field and the, the, it was just the Satchin, Satchin roar. It was, they, they, they do it everywhere they go. But that in itself, you think about uh, Marvel Stadium, how it just goes straight up and people on top of you, this is exactly the same. So we had, I think capacity might've been 28 or 30,000 and they were just on top of me. Um, absolutely. You've got a camera in front and you're walking out with these gold little speckles on your shirt, which reflect in your eye. Gold's a, gold's a lucky color in India. And I remember walking, we walked out to the circle. I was tingling. Like I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't, it was an out of body moment that people have every now and then. And it was just one of those moments. And I think I came to after the first over, I was just, and I was like, <laughs> Then Sachin asked, he played this little sweep or a lap sweep and he's like, what do you reckon about this? And I'm like, like why are you asking me questions? <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing for you. <laughs> so um, after that, I, um, I came to and I think I got out pretty cheaply in the end, but I, I probably would have played 14 or 15 games and opened the batting. And really, um, for me, that was the, the humbling moment that Sachin is a god all these players, um, international players, and we see them now, like Nathan Lyons, a, a guy, a great, he's our greatest ever off spinner. He's, once you get to know these people and take the stigma away from the, the, the personality and where they sit, they're just so, so beautiful. Um, and it's so tough. I imagine for Sachin in particular, there's so many people that he meets and they hang off him and they just want to be around him that, to get those people in a quiet, intimate moment, whether it's in the change rooms, whether it's on the bus or whether it's back in the hotel, um, is just, it's so, it's so humbling and so beautiful to, to be able to peel the layers back of what you see on the TV, um, on the billboards and all that sort of stuff. There's some really great people out there that just, you just really don't get to see the other side of. Um, and I know that um, Cricket Australia did a, a documentary that was on Amazon. I think there's a lot of cool things that are shown behind the scenes, but there's, it's one thing to do those type of things, but it's another thing to get to know a lot of these people. And a lot of them go through significant adversity um, and personal journeys are quite tough for everyone. We all go through different things and 
we're all we're all the same essentially we all go through these things but it's um it was just really beautiful to number one get to know Sachin but number two get to know the rest of the guys like a lot of these guys are, are seriously good athletes and um talk about turning up and going to work they they turn up and go to work on a different level um and I think if a lot of people out there will be looking at side hustles and looking at their businesses and all sorts of stuff at the quality control and the intensity that these guys work out day in day out is so impressive um, that some of them, I don't know what, how they don't sleep for 12 hours a day um, just to catch up because of that intensity, but what they bring to the, what they bring to, um, to a team and, and to that environment is just significant. So I think um, most Indian batters would have broken a few, um, few people's shoulders over their time because they just hit balls and at, at that intensity. So that quality is just so significant that I've never seen anywhere in the world. Mm. And and on uh, on Netflix there's the Mumbai Indian show and I think like Kieran Pollard and Rohit Sharma they are still there and that's obviously you started out that's a long time ago to be playing there and in that you get a sort of glimpse of you know what it's like with the crowds and everything like that how was was that really confronting for you obviously people probably wanted to see Sachin and things like that but still at the end of the day you're a professional cricketer playing for the best team in Mumbai yeah. what was yeah. what was that like just like blur your yeah. way. Yeah, it did. I think the first time I played in India was the Champions League, um, which was an old competition where Victoria went to play. And we played in Delhi, and that was my first experience in that sort of intensity of crowd. Um, I took it in for an over, like this one. It was an out-of-body moment for an over. And then um, you snap back in and think, hang on, I've actually I've got a job to do here. I'm not here on holiday. Um, <laughs> so I'm lucky. My my mood or intensities are quite low. I don't go super high. I hope I don't go super low. I think my wife will be. <laughs> to say that. But yeah, I stay quite, quite calm. So um, yeah, that in itself is just something... Like, you play in Shep, there's some cars, there's some people sitting in the back of a ute or a back of a van having a few, few tinnies and they're calling out abuse. This is just, this doesn't, this doesn't, it's not scalable. <laughs> it's just not scalable. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's just really cool. So surreal. And as you said, that Mumbai Indians documentary is a great example of, that gives you a bit of insight as to what it's like. Um, turn that up, probably times that by a hundred and, and that's where it gets to. Um, but the other things that people don't think about is the, the change of culture. So the food that you eat, we're in great hotels, but um, you get fed at the ground. So there's a lot of food challenges there. The, the humidity um, for the players who've been in Chennai, that humidity, we train for 20 or 30 minutes and like I'm drenched. There's puddles coming out of my shoes every time I'm walking. Um, so that, that as well is pretty, pretty confronting to to get used to um, and again as soon as you can um, find a way to switch off and just focus on what you can control which is essentially hydrate eat your food and then turn up knowing that you're going to work it's not we all have bad sleeps some people sleep on the plane some people don't but the reality is it doesn't matter how you're feeling you've got to get up and turn up and go to work and I feel like you're judged on your worst days there um that's probably the benchmark that they're looking at what your worst day looks like as opposed to your best because it's very easy for people to turn up on one particular day and give it give it everything but um it's pretty ruthless that competition and um i admire international athletes whether it be nba who play every couple of days or um afl even at the moment where they're going through their hub scenarios i think if you're judging people on their worst day and this is why people are champions i know you've spoken to a couple of afl champions um 
the, the, what we judge people on in sport is their worst day. And I think the sooner people can get their head around that, even if you're in business, your worst day is, is probably the benchmark of, of what you're trying to bring up, not your best, because we all have good days and it's very easy to perform when we're feeling good. But it's when we're not, when we're really struggling, that's where you get judged. And I feel like um, what we spoke about before is around what you do when you're not, when you're not in control or you're not in the team. That's, that was something that I was... Um, I prided myself on being judged for is what I was giving to others as opposed to what I was taking. And it's very easy to take, 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 um, particularly in sport where you've got a coach who's happy to throw balls to you. But at the end of the day, if I'm not throwing balls to other people or I'm not helping people with their extra work, um, I feel like I'm not, I'm not giving all of me. So that was, that was something that I prided myself on um, through that time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Aiden, that as well, I think that relates, again, back to what we're going through at the moment, that people are just a bit selfish and thinking about themselves, what I've lost, what I don't have. Whereas if you can uplift somebody else with kindness or, you know, doing something to embrace someone else that may be struggling, um, I think that's a real sign of your character and the person you are. And, and like you just said, cricket, it... To explain the game cricket, it's the most individual team sport you could probably ever play, isn't it? And it's um, yeah. and, and the worst thing about it is, yes, you're in a team, but there's so much pressure on yourself to perform. And uh, I think that's really interesting. And that's another debate for another day. So looking at everything you've done, mate, so IPL, uh, played Victoria, played winning five titles uh, in the BBL and everything like that. What are you most proud of, of you know your career and what you were able to achieve? Um, I think it's probably, it's not the, it's not the accolades or the titles as we sort of spoken about. It's probably the whole journey. Um, I'm proud of, I'm proud of chasing that journey. Um, so I started in Victoria. Um, I really wanted to play Red Bull Shield cricket, um, which is obviously first class cricket. So I moved to South Australia, um, had a good crack there, didn't work. So I moved on to Tassie for another opportunity to have a crack there. And then, um, that sort of finished and I transitioned into the work world and then um, ended up at the Sydney Thunder. So um, I've, as I said, I still find myself very lucky that I was the 10th or 11th picked, but feel like I really had to work my ass off for every one of those opportunities and everything that I did was a, was a, it was a battle. It was really, I really had to work my ass off. So to reflect, I don't think there's one particular moment, Obviously, I'm proud of man in the match two times in BBL finals and all those titles and playing at Mumbai and um, being support cast for probably five or seven other titles that, that teams won. But I think that whole journey in itself and um, what I had to go through, or not what I had to go through, I chose to go through it, but those setbacks in particular to come out where I am now is that's, to me, I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I feel like I've, um, I feel like I've given a lot to others during that time as well. So it hasn't, we're, we're human. So we've all got an ego, but I feel like I've, I've had to transition myself into different roles in different States and different teams quite, quite often. So, um, yeah, I, I apologize. It doesn't really answer the question, but to me, no, no, it's no, just it's... that whole journey. It's that yeah, yeah. whole journey for me has just been so special. Um, and do you know what? I probably won't be able to walk when I'm 50. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you, as a 16 year old, you're already battling to walk. <laughs> you're so, everywhere. <laughs> look, if I can walk when I'm 50, I feel like that's going to be an achievement in itself. <laughs> <laughs> if you can raise the bat at 50, mate, I love that. Now, um, one thing I did 
take from that is um, I've had your good mate Shannon Burns on here who was obviously made in AFL. He said exactly the same thing, you know, and when he made, you know, those couple of premierships for Geelong, he was the last player picked. Um, what do you put that down to? Like, you're obviously both good mates. Um, yep. Do you ever talk about that? That, you know, you've both had really glittered careers. Um, yeah. And you were never 100% in that side. You were never the first picked. Do you ever speak yeah. about that? We have, and I think Shannon and I have had a we've had an unspoken respect um, for each other in our journeys. Because look, at the end of the day, I've got some talents that that are quite good, but there's a lot of things that I'm not at the not at an international level um, with a lot of other things. And, and Burnsy's probably the same. Um, we both worked our ass off, and I think it's that resilience piece that we spoke about earlier of growing up in the country, playing against men earlier. Um, both had some setbacks. I think those those things sort of we found found a character trait within ourselves, respectively, that was like, nah, I'm I'm just going to keep going here, and you're not going to stop me. Um, so I feel like that's probably where it's come from. But I admire Burnsy. Um, number one, he went through the back door to get onto an AFL list. Obviously, he didn't get drafted. Um, I think he was on a rookie, or he might have just went down and played VFL in Geelong, and then got his opportunity through there. And um, I don't know what it was in particular that um, that they didn't like necessarily about him, but geez, he was quick and that left foot that he had, um, he made a career out of being fast and kicking from his left foot. Like it was, it was phenomenal. Um, so I was really proud of Burnsy, um, and even to see some of the other guys that have um, have got an opportunity through sport um, coming through Shepherd as well. I think Steele's obviously he's a gun. Um, he's doing a really good job, but. Even um, Barlow's got the most out of his out of his talent as well. So I think there's there's a trait that's coming out of the country at the moment, or in that area that we grew up, that is just it's very resilient and um, we're getting the getting the most out of ourselves. So yeah, it's it's interesting, but uh, it'd be great to have a number one draft pick who's just doing it with their eyes closed <laughs> at some stage come out of Victoria. But at this stage, I don't. That's genetics that we can't really control. <laughs> uh, I think that's very well said there, mate. And um, final final question I want to put out there. For, obviously, we're in a really tough time. And like, I can only imagine what it's like for, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds that are really trying. Like, the, this is their glory years and where they can really step up to get on a list or to make it yeah. get a contract. What What advice would you give for, you know, young athletes out there that physically can't play at the moment, what, what would yep. you sort of say to them if you could have a chat to an open room of them now? Yeah, I would, um, I think that's a really good question because uh, at the end of the day, I think we all think that um, the journey to success is linear. It's not like there's no one path to get there. And you just talk, my journey in cricket was so different. It wasn't through, through the pathway. Burnsy went through the pathway had to go around the back door so i would say to them um acknowledge the number one is acknowledgement i think one thing that we know about alcoholics is the first first part of it is is acknowledging you're an alcoholic um for young athletes or even young academics just acknowledge the situation that you're in um at the moment and one of the things that i would say to them is now that's great let's have a look at the macro what's the, what's the micro what can you control so and let's just focus on that so what can they be doing in isolation how are they keeping themselves busy 
um, how are they upskilling themselves? And there's two different ways to upskill. You either focus on your, your uh, weaknesses or you continue to focus on your strengths. So um, I think number one, that is, or that's probably the only advice I'd give. I'd be like, so there's two things we've got to focus on, keeping yourselves occupied and number two, focusing on what you can. So um, I think that at the moment, VCE is tough for some kids. I know that there's a lot of... Um, perceived um, disadvantages in not playing sport this summer. Um, but the other part of that is what are you actually growing and what are you learning from this? So if you're able to get through this and with a positive outlook, um, once you get back into it, you're ahead of, you're ahead of the pack. And I think that'll differentiate between some talented people that don't make it and some not as talented people that do make it. Um, and just uh, it's around finding a way um, and really just understanding that, there's so many different ways to, to get into these systems and it's not, it's not one size fits all. And I think that's the beauty of, of the world now is that we're seeing even um, people who are going against society and anti-establishment that are, that are really finding a way to move. Uh, you look at small businesses that are emerging, um, bucking the trend of going through the big multinationals. So we, we do recognize it um, and it's just around finding that headspace. So yeah, absolutely just control what you, what you can and, don't let go of acknowledge that um, the other things going on, but um, I don't think it's, it's healthy to focus on it. Yeah. And, and very true, mate. I think that's a really nice way to finish. So Aiden, mate, I think if people are listening and they want to know what resilience is, um, look at you growing up, just while you were still at school, mate, it would have been so easy to stop and realize when the AFL dream wasn't over, but then, you know, to re, change your body basically because it's completely different from footy to cricket and have the career you have but not only that the determination and the resilience and then the role model that you've turned into and I know so many other people growing up in the country can see journeys like yourself and Shan that you can make it there's no even if you're not the ideal body shape or size or whatever like that with determination resilience and just a non-stop work you can get there so mate from me personally thank you so much for the chat today and it's been really great to have you on the show uh, thank you. And um, good luck to everyone getting through ISO as well. I, um, <laughs> I'm riding the wave with you. <laughs>